Okay, when you have a toddler, there are sentences that you are forced to say out loud that you never thought you would ever have to say. One of those things is definitely, don't put that up your nose. For some reason, there are many toddlers that just enjoy putting everything they can find up there. Toys, food, whatever they find lying around the house. It all ends up in that nose. So how can you? As a parent, stop it. We'll give you our best tips to stop this behavior, how to safely remove any stuck items, and when it might be time to visit urgent care. Speaking of toddlers, have you ever experienced the toddler bewitching hour? It's that time right before bed when your toddler just releases an amount of energy that we wish we could bottle for ourselves. And it gets really wild. No matter what kind of child you have, you may notice that in the evenings, there is this change and the energy is on full blast. We'll tell you and give you some tips on how to turn these evenings into something that helps them sleep. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Laura. Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast. And remember, the best decisions are the ones you make. You've got this. Whoever said babies and toddlers don't come with an instruction manual never met the moms on call. For nearly 20 years, Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter have helped over half a million families navigate parenthood with their best-selling books, online courses, apps, and network of certified consultants. And now they have this podcast to talk directly with you. Ask your questions at 888-234-7979. Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast with Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter. Hi, Laura and Jennifer. My name is Peyton, and I absolutely love everything you do. Your books have gotten me through a lot. My almost two-year-old son has started sticking everything in his nose. And when I say everything, I mean everything. It started with noodles from his mac and cheese. Then he started shoving every piece of his food up there. Then I went to his toys, which not many fit, and then just whatever he finds on the ground. We are usually pretty good at catching him before it gets stuck. There was one time his little chair with the foam beans in it popped a seam and the foam pieces fell out. He put one up his nose and we had to use tweezers to get it out. We're at a point where we feel like we can't trust him to leave him alone for more than two seconds. He's so fast. It's getting really exhausting. How do we get him to stop sticking stuff up his nose? Is there a way we can distract him? What is the worst that could happen if we don't catch it in time? Any help would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. Make good friends with the ENT. Yes. <laughs> this is, this is yeah, go advice. find the ENT that's in the neighborhood and bring him some cookies. <laughs> bring him some cookies. <laughs> you know, these little ones. One, I want you to do the Toddler by Design app. Jennifer and I pretty much know what design he is. He's probably a touch kid. This is, you know, it's that sensation same kind of sensation that kids get when they bite somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just that sensation. So you're on the right track thinking, okay, well, one, we have to be super safe, right? We know that we can't let him 
explore and be around the things that are going to end up in his nose. So we have to be really on top of that. And I know that that's exhausting. However, and necessary. And necessary. However, we have to try and do it in a way that is not bringing more attention to it, if that makes any sense. Well, and oftentimes <laughs> when kids bite, one of the things that we recommend is getting right close up to their face and saying in a stern but not yelling voice, we do not bite. And you just keep your face like nice and uh, you know, it lacks any type of expression necessarily. No just emotion. To, yeah, no emotion. And it just kind of sends that message very clearly. If they cry, that's fine. That just kind of puts that on their conscience. Like this isn't it. It's not harmful to them anyway, in any way. Just get right up close to him. So when he puts something in his nose like that, what I would or like you to do to. yeah, is just go right up to his face and say, we do not stick things in our nose. That's it. Just this, you know, stern, but not yelling. So we're very clearly communicating. Now you are not alone. And the other thing I want to be careful about is sticking tweezers up a nose. This is why the ENT is so valuable because sometimes, you know, they were so wiggly and some tweezers can, you know, they have those sharp points on them. We don't want to, you know, have an accident with that. So or when things get in. up there, yeah. Or they breathe them in and now they're gone into the lungs. Right. We, we shove it back further. Yeah. We have to go fish that out and, you know, being that firm, we do not put things in our nose. It doesn't end there, but the talking does. What happens is when you say that we're done, we move, we go get a book, we give him something else that he can hold that's not going to fit. Fit, fit up in his, his nose. nose. So think along the lines of some of these sensory balls, the big balls that they can touch and feel and roll around. Uh, so think some of those sensory toys. The books that the have books. the lamb's wool. Yes. And the, yes. So, and put that in his hands and use distraction. That will be your number one thing is firm, we do not put things in our nose. You're not going to sit there and talk about why we don't put it up our nose and we're not going to have a 30-minute conversation around it. We don't put things up our nose. And then immediately have something that he can get in his hands to replace that. And don't go up after it. Do not. Have, you know, the ENT, like we said, on speed dial. And know that you're not alone. Absolutely. One of my, one of my um, most interesting experiences in the ER as a student nurse was a child who put a Lego up their nose, like one of those little tiny Lego bricks up their nose. And they would say, oh, you know, you stuck that Lego up your nose. And he denied it every time. Nope, it fell up there. And I mean, it was in there good. It did not fall up in there. Oh, no, it fell up in there. No, I, you had to shove that up in there. Like, it's up there pretty far. So, you know, <laughs> we have had number of children who have this affinity to stick things up their nose. Those little beads, yes, I had to take one of those out of my niece's nose at one time. We were unable to retrieve it safely. And so off to the urgent care we went, and luckily the ENT was able to dislodge it safely. So 
even as he gets a little bit older, you know, we're going to be telling these stories at his wedding about how he used to stick stuff up his nose all the time. And uh, the other sensory items are great, giving him things to fit into different, you know, puzzles and whatnot. Great way to distract him, but also use his design. He's going to want to figure out how things fit. I think he's a touch engineer. And in so doing, there'll be other tips for you in the Toddler by Design app. And I know if you're tenderhearted, it's so hard to kind of get that stern voice that communicates that we don't do this without feeling like it's scary or yelling. So practice that to yourself in the mirror to where you get it to just like this, you know, kind of balanced spot. And it feels so weird, but it's really helpful. And what you'll find is, you know, it communicates in a very safe way. Um, you know, what it is that we want him to stop doing. And then when we're between awake and asleep, when he's going to bed at night, one of the things that we say are the three household rules. Obey daddy and mommy, if that's what your structure of your household looks like. Um, Do not hurt yourself and do not hurt others. And you know, one of the ways we hurt ourselves is when we stick things up our nose. I know you'll figure out how not to do that. And here's something else you did really great today. You know, when mommy asked you to, you know, hand me your plate after you ate, you were so great to do it right that first time that I asked. I love you. I believe in you. And I'll see you when the sun comes up. And those things are in the toddler book, just how to structure a nighttime in which to say, instead of me against that behavior, it's putting you as the parent on their side. So it's, the both of you <laughs> against that behavior instead of you against him. And, um, and so it just sets us in the right position and sets him up for success. Laura, I am going to introduce you to something fantastic. You know, you and I have worked a long time and we have put a lot of babies to sleep and toddlers to sleep. And our own kids. Yes, all eight of them. And now I'd like to introduce you to... The Moms on Call Sleep and Grow Mattress by Colgate. Colgate. They have been so instrumental in listening to what we wanted, what we knew that our families needed, and then walking us through that process. And it has been so much fun. We're dedicated to providing a safe sleep environment for families. So this crib mattress checked every box. We went to Colgate. They're family owned and operated. We met with them. We toured the facility and we saw all the things that they could do. We had a long list, Laura and I, of what we would ideally want, the safest environment in which to put your baby and get those great long nights of mom's on call sleep. And they met and exceeded every single one. One of the things that's at the top of our list, Jennifer, was safety. We wanted to make sure that this mattress was safe. And by safe, one, it's durable. It's got a 5.5 inch thick, high quality foam mattress that's made from plant-based oils and a soft cover that goes over it that helps with that waterproofing. And it's lightweight, Jennifer, which makes for those nighttime sheet changes so much easier. And there will always be those, especially through toddlerhood. But you know what this safety, when we talk about foam, when we talk about the plant-based oils, I think that we all think 
Yes, but does it off-gas? And what Colgate has is a hypoallergenic, phthalate-free, Green Guard Gold and Serta Pure U.S. certified safe for no harmful emissions. It is tested and it is as safe as it gets. One of the things that I think is so important as well is the fit of that mattress. One, you want to make sure that your crib mattress fits snug. We did square corners for a snug and safe crib fit. And this mattress fits all standard size American cribs and toddler beds. So you really can sleep and grow safely with Moms on Call and Colgate. Hi, moms. I could really use your help. My name is Allison, and I'm from Colorado. My son will be three in about a month, and the last few weeks or so, something has changed. He's typically very calm, sweet, fairly easy to keep entertained. But lately, none of these things are true at night before bed. It's like he has a witching hour. Every evening, a couple hours before bedtime, he just changes. He becomes defiant, hyperactive, and not listening to anything I say. I feel like every other word out of my mouth is don't or stop. I try to be as calm and gentle as I can, but I do have limits. It's like his only goal is to get hurt or just cause chaos. I just don't know what to do when he's like that. We always offer choices when we can, and he has a good bit of freedom throughout the day with structure and routine where needed. Any ideas on what could be causing the sudden change? Is there anything I can do to get him to calm down a little? I feel like I'm going crazy here. Thank you so much. The wonderful world of threes. Mm, This is a social kid, 100%. And they were so charming. And so social kids, let's talk a little bit about social kids. So social kids are most interested. Their motivators are social interactions and engagement. They are watching your facial expressions. They're watching how close your eyebrows, you know, get together, how far they lift up when you're happy, your voice inflections when you're speaking. They love all the intricacies of social interactions and they're paying attention. And so they don't have terrible twos. They have charming twos. And then when three to three and a half hits, what they start to do is explore what I call the dark side of human emotion. (laughs) So they're building a repertoire. They've already got the uh, happy emotions all sorted out. And now they'd like to produce things like frustration and see what that looks like and sounds like. And who are they going to try that out on? Well, the one that keeps them the safest and and teaches about the life. is you, mama. Sorry. That is you. So the fact that you're getting this behavior probably doesn't feel like, oh, this means I'm doing something really great, but you are. You are the one that keeps him secure. So he's trying this out on you. So he's not mean-spirited. It didn't change his heart. He's not going down a bad path. He's just exploring the dark side of human emotion, and he's got to do it until he understands what all of those things look and sound like because he's curious not because he's mean-spirited. So we always want to keep that in mind. And what happens on his face is not an indication of what's happening in his heart. So he's going to try these things out. He's going to practice them as well. So he's going to practice some voice inflections. He's going to practice some some facial expressions that are going to appear as if he is having a lot more angst than is really happening in his heart. So I want you to separate what's happening on his face from what's happening in his heart. And those two things help us so much and knowing what he's after. So 
Oh, I see you are trying to explore frustration. Hmm. You know what's my favorite emotion? Happy. Can you show me what happy looks like? And that, you know, we can kind of flip the script in a way that helps to go back to that, you know, better behavior, better words. We're not going to be able to change all of it because he has to explore it. However, here's the great thing about these kids. They land typically on humor and happiness. So after he gets done exploring all of that and he's got his repertoire filled, what they typically enjoy more is the celebratory laughter, you know, being charming. So we're going to land come there back. again. It'll, it'll come back. And, you know, and if, if you're not sure what we're talking about when we talk about him being social, and, and I'd probably venture a little bit of movement as well. Mm -hmm. I would absolutely make sure that you're looking at his daytime routine. Is he getting enough movement and physical activity? And are we filling that tank, so to speak, with that social? But we need to look at his routine. We need to make sure that he's getting the rest that he needs and that he's getting the activities that he needs. And so if you're really wondering, well, what is social movement? That, that is our toddler by design. So make sure that you go and check out that toddler by design. It will give you all kinds of tips on how to start winding down that afternoon and that evening so that we can keep that routine intact and get him the rest that he needs as well. So he can really have all the energy he needs to explore the complete circle of human emotions <laughs> and explore it with you, Mama. You're doing a great job. You're keeping him secure. And uh, listen, we know we're on your side. It is frustrating. You will make it through. Thank you for listening to the Moms on Call podcast. If you have a question for Jennifer and Laura, call 888-234-7979. Visit momsoncall.com for resources to help you parent with confidence and thrive not just survive your amazing parenting journey.